But you know, also there's so many real world problems to solve, right? You know, our North Star is financial inclusion. Do you know there's 1.7 billion people in this world without access to financial, financial services of any kind? That's dope. It's inevitable for blockchain to work at scale that we're going to live in a multi-chain world. One of the most popular and exciting layer ones is Algorand, and I had the opportunity to speak with their CEO, Stacey Warden. Now, she talked about how they've been largely the adults in the room. Now, we hear about DeFi, NFTs, Metaverse, all the obvious use cases, but she went into some use cases you will not believe, things that are happening on the ground to help the unbanked and underbanked all over the world that are being built on Algorand, which she believes can be the settlement layer for the entire planet. So listen, I believe that we are going to live in a multi-chain world and that it's very unlikely that one single chain is going to be able to scale to mass adoption. So 100%. Right. So where does Algorand fit into that? Actually, I think in the sort of reductio ad absurdum version of this, in a pure multi-chain world, everything could settle on Algorand. I mean, you can be in your ecosystem. You like the food in your ecosystem. You like the vibe. You know, this is all about vibe capitalism too in crypto, right? But why wouldn't you settle on the ecosystem that settles with finality in 4.5 seconds and has transaction fees subpenny and has a low carbon footprint? So I think, you know, and these are the kinds of things that we're driving towards. EVM to AVM compatibility, state proofs, which I can talk about, which is a way to take a picture of the Algorand blockchain so that you can use a trustless bridge, a bridge that's just a smart contract to other ecosystems. And so we're re- we we believe in a multi-chain world and we're ready for it. So you could be the settlement layer below all you of know, that. You know, it could be, yeah. And how do we inevitably bridge them all together and make it interoperable in a system like that? So the way I think about it is in three kind of pipes. One is that... Um, Developers, Solidity type developers, right? They need to learn um, Algorand, the Algorand programming language, which is PyTeal. So we have a lot of engagement out there for developers to teach them PyTeal, hackathons, and um, all kinds of incubators for developers, just sort of have them learn the language of Algorand. Number two, we need liquidity to port back and forth between, between ecosystems, right? And they are the we. And when I say we, I mean the brainiacs at Algorand Inc., right? They're building this thing called state proofs. And state proofs allows another chain to take a picture of the state of affairs on the Algorand blockchain and teleport that. That's a technical term, by the way. Tele- <laughs> teleport that state of affairs. I wish they could do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's coming next. They're very smart at Algorand Inc. Um, but via a smart contract, not via a consensus bridge, right? So you just kind of take the picture of the state of affairs on Algorand, and you can, via smart contract only, understand what's going on in Algorand. And we do this every 15 minutes with state proofs. This will go live this summer. So that's the second channel that is really important to kind of multi-chain world. And then the third one is EVM to AVM compatibility. And that is where your app that you like in your ecosystem can execute on the Algorand uh, blockchain. And so we think about it in these three ways. and. Yeah, we, we, we believe in a multi-chain world and we're ready for it. And we believe that we are going to benefit enormously from it. Do you ever feel like you're the adults in the room? You know, we have been called the professor's coin, I will say, you know. And we are, you know, we're more of a, you know, nice food, avocado toast kind of than a beanbag chair and jugglers kind of, you know, ecosystem, I will say. Yeah, we're... But we own it. Like they, I don't know if you were at, were you at Crypto Bahamas? I was not. Oh, but I you, talked uh, to Anthony Scaramucci right, right afterwards and he 
and talked about you. Though. Yeah, you know, he has a fund dedicated completely to Algorand. But they had a, he had a panel of layer one blockchains, right? And it's like three guys in t-shirts and Sylvia Macaulay in his Italian blue suit, you know, just schooling them, frankly. It was, it was fun to watch. I mean, I think we need that, right? I, it's interesting. I think there was a sentiment always in crypto that was sort of anti-establishment, of right. course. And now as we mature and we're on the, certainly on the, uh, on the block for regulators and things like that, it feels like we need some guys in nice suits who can speak the language on both sides. Yeah, but you know, also there's so many real world problems to solve, right? You know, our North Star is financial inclusion. Do you know there's 1.7 billion people in this world without access to financial, financial services of any kind? You know, when I grew up, I grew up in TradFi, right? I have had, you know, eight years at JP Morgan, three years at the NASDAQ, US Treasury Department. Like I have been there in a traditional financial world. And I remember, we were so excited when we went from T plus three to T plus two. You know, like we took a day off of it, right? And like, ah, in crypto, you know, in Algorand, we settle in 4.5 seconds, right? And if you're gonna get to those 1.7 billion people in the world, you the only way to do that is in a crypto blockchain environment. You know, the way I look at innovation in finance for the last 15 years is bank balance sheets. The messaging between two bank balance sheets just got faster and faster. And just blockchain is different. It's writing to one ledger. I mean, you know this, obviously, but that is revolutionary. And so, you know, when you think about those real world problems, Algorand can solve those because, you know, we're just, the scale is possible, the environmental footprint is low, and the fees are sub-penny, right? So. Well, you just talked about all the places that you were before this. Yeah. What eventually was the aha moment that you made that jump because it sounds like you were probably pretty comfortable where you were and didn't really need to do this. <laughs> you know, it was pretty interesting. I, you know, throughout my life, my North Star has always been financial inclusion and access to capital for small and medium businesses. So, you know, when I worked at the NASDAQ, I ran the markets for small and medium cap enterprises, right? When I was at JP Morgan, I was really focused on developing countries and getting that kind of financial services to developing countries. I've always kind of been about the little guy, you know? And, um, you know, the Treasury Department, I worked on debt relief for developing countries. So um, my down the route, you know, we all have our down the rabbit hole stories, mm -hmm. right? Mine was actually, I think, kind of unique because I was running programming for the press, teaching financial um, education to the press. And so they actually asked me, what is this Bitcoin thing? This was back in uh, 2013. And so do you ever have something where the first you don't know anything about it and then you have to teach it, you know, in a month? And so I was like, OK, lock yourself at home. And I emerged from my house, I like to say, you know, six days and three pizzas later, right? Just in love, like this Satoshi Nakamoto, this proof of work, like this Bitcoin. The thing though is, it's a little slow, it's got a heavy environmental footprint, it's not quite fit for purpose, right? And then, you know, I saw Ethereum and I was like, oh, programmable money, that's unbelievable. You know, a little bit not quite fit for purpose, a little bit, you know, slow still, and then, I carried on with crypto as a side hustle when I was working for Mike Milken at the Milken Institute. And then I got headhunted, actually, to be on the board of Algorand. And when you want to be on the board of something, you are, um, you know, you're giving your name, you're giving your reputation, you have to help. And so I did another deep dive to make sure, right? And I had that same feeling for the first time that I had with, you know, this Satoshi Nakamoto. I was like, who is this Silvio Macaulay, right? Like wh the elegance of the consensus mechanism, the pure proof of stake consensus mechanism, it just blew me away. And I was like, yes, I will be on that board. And I'm just, yeah, so happy to be here. And broadly, and you probably know this yourself, the road from TradFi to crypto, it's a one-way street. I mean, you turn around and like cars are coming at you, right? Like, no, there's no going back. Uh I was talking about that, I believe, with Mark Yusko 
recently, yeah. it, there's just, it's, it really is a one-way street, but not only for people in their employment, but even people who just have that aha moment about Bitcoin, all these skeptics, the billionaires who are dismissive of it initially, you never see them buy it. And even regardless of the price and the volatility, you never see them say, eh, I was wrong. Maybe maybe I should have known any of this. You only see them say, uh, my 10 percent is now 20. Right. Totally. Totally. It's like this is not going away. Yeah. So, but how do we make this work in within the framework of the existing systems, right? We talk about there's sort of this idea that it was going to, you know, replace legacy systems. I don't believe that, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is a parallel rail, but with all this regulation coming and the way that this is a threat to many of the biggest systems that exist, how do we sort of thread that needle? Yeah, I mean, you know, the way I look at it is, why is it, or an example that I like to think about is, you know, why is it that somebody in Nigeria can send somebody in Malaysia a movie over WhatsApp, a movie, but they cannot send $1 without traveling through the correspondent banking system, clearing at the Fed, traveling back down to the correspondent banking system, and somebody's taken 12% off the top before anybody said anything, right? Seven days later. This is where I think the power of crypto and blockchain is, is that you, those transactions can be instantaneous and they can be low fee. And so will it replace traditional whales? I don't think it replaced, but it is definitely going to get bigger and bigger and sitting side by side, especially on a layer one that can scale, by the way, um, these traditional financial rails. And the more and more that you can get from a cash economy into a digital economy, it, it just offers things that traditional finance doesn't offer. Things like the ability to have micro payments so that you can monetize micro things. You cannot do that now, right? The ability to have instantaneous payments, the ability to, and everybody talks about money laundering and I I stand behind nobody in my you know, disgust of kind of the use of, of dirty money. But it is also possible for a woman in Afghanistan to keep hard earned funds away from her husband and brothers and you know fathers, right? And so, and the idea that you can make more liquid traditional financial assets by tokenizing them so that the little guy can participate in real estate investment, so that the little guy can participate in bond fixed income investment. This is a wealth distribution mechanism. And so, you know, I, I replace, it's a, you know, traditional finance is a bi very big system, but it will get bigger and bigger and will take more and more market share, I think. Do you see a world where we tokenize everything. I mean, you just sort of described how much of a better system it obviously is. I mean, there's no reason we should also have 48 hour clearing for a stock purchase. I know it's ridiculous. I mean, we think it's kind of cute that, you know, TradFi waits for the opening bell, right? It's like, oh, the opening bell, yeah. you know, we're always on. I, we talk about it all the time, 24 seven, 365 markets. Uh, obviously we had Sam Bakeman freeze in front of the CFTC trying to explain to them why this would be better for managing risk while the farmers panicked. Right. Um, but there's no reason that that shouldn't exist in every other market. We should not be trying to conform back to their system. They should be moving and evolving towards ours. If you need to panic sell, which is what people do on a Saturday at 3 p.m., you shouldn't have to wait till the opening bell on Monday, to your right. point. No, 100%. But remember how excited you were for your, I'm old, probably older than you are, but you know when you had your first PC and you got onto the internet and you could send somebody an email and it was like, 14 <laughs> yeah. And so you were so happy about that. But then you start demanding more. Like, why is my screen in black and white? Why can't I have a color monitor? Right. Why is this so slow? Like and then, you know, broadband comes along and you're like, 
And then you're like, oh, did I just wait for my website to load for five seconds? I don't have to five seconds to wait. That kind of like raising expectations, ratcheting up, ratcheting up, ratcheting up is going to happen in finance as well. You're going to start demanding liquidity for things that you don't have liquidity for now. You're going to start demanding that you be able to exercise your views about markets immediately. You're going to start demanding immediate execution about things. This is just natural human nature. You get it, you're happy, and then you're dissatisfied and you want something better, right? Yeah. A year ago, obviously, El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, and it seemed like it was a footnote that they also adopted your technology. Yeah, we <laughs> we are the uh, infrastructure. So the wallet sits on it sits on. And so the you know in Colombia, the vaccine passport sits on Algorand, and in Nigeria now, um, all the IP marketplace. So so for patents and copyright, you can now you know upload. You know it's not built yet, but you will be able to upload and monetize your IP in Nigeria. So we're you know, we get the attention of public sector for sure, because like to your point earlier, we're a little bit, you know, we're the adult in the room and we're cheap. We have very low transaction fees, very low carbon footprint, seven houses, which we offset by smart contract, by the way, to make sure that we're carbon negative, negative at all times and uh, very fast with no forking, you know? So um, if you, you know, you know, we have this partnership with FIFA, right? Of so, you know, sometimes these partnerships go where the marketing department goes out and they say, hey, you know, we put our name on the stadium and, you know, this will be great and we'll pay you some money and you do that. This actually happened the opposite way where they had a consultant. This consultant looked around at different layer ones and they said, look, FIFA is trying to do new things, right? They're they're trying to think about a, a market, you know, an NFT marketplace for players. They're thinking about how they can do kind of secondary market sales, maybe player stuff. They had all of these ideas, but... They're FIFA. They can't mess this up, right? They can't, like, it can't go wrong. So what layer one are they going to do? So they, they came to us, and, you know, these are kinds of things where, you know, we get the call, I will say. So you're saying they can't go down five times in five months for five hours at a time? I have no comment about that. <laughs> I, I will just make the observation that we have not been down for one second since we went live. It, are those growing pains that we've seen obviously with others is that inevitable that at some point there's some sort of exploit or a hack or downtime or can this really just indefinitely you know work you know i feel like every time i say that we've never been down for a second i'm tempting god right. you it know does, what I mean? does feel that way. <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know but i will say the things that we have sometimes been criticized for in the past oh you're slow or you're boring or whatever it is true that we are very careful like we, you know, we just don't, we don't release things until they are vetted and perfect and work very well, right? So we always put security and the resilience of the network first. And so we, uh, yeah, we just are as careful as we possibly can and as methodical as we possibly can about it. And again, this is not me. This is, you know, Silvio and the team of cryptographers and Paul Regal, who leads product, who's just, I mean, this guy does not like to make mistakes. I mean, move fast and break things. It's yeah, sort of an ethos of technology, but that's yeah. really scary with people's money. Right. It's very scary with people's money. Exactly. Or access to their money, too, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. When oh. you just can't, yeah, I need to go pay for something and all of a sudden for six hours, that doesn't right. exist. That's, that's right. highly problematic. Right. So we know where we're at now. If you had in a perfect world, it's hard to even ask about five years in crypto because yeah. it's probably dog years. Yeah. You know, 35 years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what would what would Algorand look like in five years? Well, it's not so much what Algorand would look like. It's what the world would look like. You know, the, of the 1.7 billion people that don't have access to finance, a billion of those people have a mobile device of some kind. You know, that's the world I want to see. 
where those people can borrow money, they can establish identity. The, the billions of people in this world that don't have identity, blockchain broadly and Algorand specifically can help solve those problems. I, you know what I think five to 10 years out, the world I wanna see is where people can have self-sovereign identity, they can marshal their identity when they need to, they can keep and reveal information as they choose, they have access to finance, they can use the data about themselves to get credit. They can, you know, in some countries in Africa, you need to know somebody before you can open a bank account, right? They can borrow, they can have micro insurance policies, they can invest assets at a micro level. That's the world that we want to see, right? And uh, Algorand is just, I think, otherwise it wouldn't be here, obviously. I think it's a layer one that can deliver on that promise. I think that's an incredible vision. Are there any obstacles that you think could be, I think we generally, surmount every obstacle, no problem in this space. But are there any that worry you that could be permanent or debilitating and, and things that could happen that could really stop any of this? No, I think it's a slow grind, right? And the more you, you know, the further down you get, you come, there's something else is kind of like a roadblock in the way. And you got to think about how you're going to get through that roadblock. That's innovation of, you know, the, the cycle of innovation, right? This is any kind of innovation. But people care about crypto and the more people that know about it the more people that understand about it the more people that see their uh see its potential we as a global community i mean we you know we trash talk a little bit each other but we are all in it together i mean i love my layer one brethren i really do we are all in it together for the big for the potential and the medium term right and the bigger we get the more unstoppable we're going to be right it's nice to hear you say that because I don't think that every layer one is uh, feels the kumbaya brethren spirit. And I think there is kind of a lot of competition and tribalism in this space. Yeah. Do you think that you experience that at all? Or do you think that you've managed to be Switzerland? You know, it's not so much Switzerland, but we do. I mean, it is it is true that we think that a multi-chain world is the world to live in. And you know, different chains are gonna be great at different things. The thing about Algorand though, is if you cannot afford to sacrifice security, if you cannot afford to sacrifice speed, if you cannot afford to sacrifice decentralization, you gotta be on Algorand, right? Because we just don't let any of those balls drop. And, and that's been the trilemma sort of for anything not called Bitcoin. And you really feel like you've solved that? Well, Sully Macaulay, you know, when he, you know, he invented, right, zero knowledge proofs and verified random functions, right? So he, he watched this ecosystem grow up for a couple of years and he was like, I don't know exactly if he was doing this, but he was like, yeah, I could probably build a better one of those, you know, like I'm the guy, right? Yeah. And so when he, uh, they went, you know, he was immediately able to raise money hire like a crackerjack team of you know cryptographers and computer scientists and management and they spent two years raised a bunch of money raised uh, spent two years building this thing we've never been down um since he you know was you know i think always had this vision of yeah we can deliver on this stuff right we 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 can deliver on this and then the trilemma came out and i think that was maybe part of the idea of this pure proof of stake consensus mechanisms like let's see can we have security? Can we have scalability? Can we have decentralization at the same time? Yeah, we can actually. And it's a pure proof of stake consensus mechanism that delivers you, that. How much do you think that layer twos will play a role in that bringing mainstream adoption or, or being able to operate at scale? Or do you think that it can truly be done with layer ones? I think it's a, it's a combination. It's gonna be a combination of layer ones, layer twos. Yeah, 100%.
Are there any other projects that you're excited to potentially work with in the future that you uh, haven't been in contact with or worked with yet for you guys? Yeah, you know, we think about sort of the crypto ecosystem broadly. So we have DeFi verticals, we're excited about gaming, we're excited about our creator economy. We have a very good creator economy because our transaction fees are so low, right? So sort of NFTs, they can be small ticket prices and for small ticket prices, you just can't pay a ton of gas fees, right? So this is just growing in a kind of Cambrian explosion. You know, in the real world, I've mentioned a couple more and we've got, we're, but we're pretty excited about some partnerships coming up in, um, you're going to get me in trouble on Twitter, by the way. I don't want to get you in trouble. Because <laughs> because I'll say something to you and then I'll get, what is it? When is it starting? When is, you know, But we have a, a couple of really interesting partnerships coming on uh, in disaster relief payments. Do you know that in disaster relief right now, they're, they, not all the time, but they can travel with like tens of thousands of dollars in prepaid debit cards on them. So they can hand out prepaid debit cards at these disasters. It's crazy, right? I know, it's crazy. Your heart goes out to them, right? And so we are uh, working now with the two largest disaster relief organizations in the United States to put all of these payments on the Algorand blockchain, right? So that when you have a, you know, your, your living room is flooded, you take a picture of your living room, the money arrives. Right. And then the next agency can see, ah, they did get money from, so say, FEMA, Texas, right. but I can't give them. I don't need to give. So you 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 cut out the fraud. You make the payments more immediate. Everybody's happier. You're not traveling around with debit cards on your on your person. It's really so in disaster relief. Also in remittances, uh, we're working with a we're in we're in discussions with a a big um another kind of relief organization, global relief organization, about doing um, local payments for them. Um, yeah, so we, yeah, we have some, you have to have me back again. It's incredible I'll... because I have these conversations, obviously, with everyone across the industry, and we talk about Metaverse, NFTs, yeah. DeFi, and yeah. then we talk about Metaverse, yeah. NFTs, and yeah, DeFi. Yeah, yeah. Nobody that I've spoken to is talking about these very, very real world, very yeah. pressing and yeah. very immediate problems that you are seemingly solving. Yeah, super focused on it. We're super focused on it. And it's just going to get more and more and bigger and bigger. And I think part of the reason that I'm a good CEO for the Algorand Foundation and part of the reason that I was picked is that this is where I come from. You know, I, I have the experience in traditional finance. I have cared all of my life about financial inclusion. I have cared all of my life about access to capital. I believe in a private sector-led growth model, right? So that, you know, savers should be in good, well-functioning financial markets, able to give their savings, not in a bank account where, you know, the inflation rate's 10% and they earn 2%. They're losing money by holding their, their income, right? That they should be able to put that into to work to finance entrepreneurs who don't have any access to capital, right? Those entrepreneurs get those savings and what do they do they grow they hire more people they pay them more then those employees have more savings you know it's a virtuous circle of private sector-led growth that's how i think that's what i think the equation for prosperity is right blockchain can deliver on that and so we at at the algorand foundation and i personally am very very focused on making sure that we play our small part in making this world a better place for that engine for growth that I think we can deliver as a layer one. I love it. So when can we schedule, how far down the road do I need to schedule to get all the... Uh... I'll come talk to you anytime, but you know, I think by no, the I end... Wanna, I want to hear these okay, things you want that to... we're teasing. Okay. Now I want to be able to talk to you all about All right, 2022, let's let's talk again in the fall. Okay, we're going to yeah? talk again in the okay. fall. It's a deal. Thank all you so right. much. Thank you I so really much. I had so much fun. Yeah.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already left a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that now. Spotify just added ratings, so please go ahead and click that five star. I'll see you guys next time.